Welcome to Market Matters, our markets podcast on Making Sense, the hub for J.P. Morgan Corporate and Investment Bank podcasts. In each episode of Market Matters, we discuss the latest news and trends shaping markets today. Hi, I'm Meredy Cleary. As many of you may know, our team is uniquely positioned. We produce content on the drivers of liquidity in the market today and how policy, technology, and microstructural dynamics are influencing how market participants interact. A key theme on our radar right now is the move to T plus one settlement in the U.S. and Canada for security trades. This is set to be implemented next May. In today's podcast, we'll lay out some of the market structure implications of shortening the settlement cycle and what this might mean in terms of cross-border transactions and the potential knock-on impacts. To do this, I'm joined by the Global Head of FIC Market Structure at J.P. Morgan, Kate Finlayson. Hi, Kate. Hi, Meredy. Thanks for that intro. It's great to be here. Kate, well, some of our listeners may have seen the headlines of the move to T plus one. I think it would be useful to get a little bit of a background. How do we get here? Sure. Maybe if we take a quick step back. In trading, the settlement cycle is the amount of time between the trade date, T, and the settlement date. In other words, when buying or selling securities, there's a cutoff date when the trade must be one, confirmed, two, any allocations made, and three, affirmations completed. At the moment, most economies around the world follow the T plus two settlement cycle, meaning the majority of routine security trades settle two business days after the trade date. Over the past few decades, regulators have looked to shorten the settlement cycle, which is intended to protect investors by reducing systemic and counterparty risk. Yeah, and for background, the U.S. led the move from T plus three to T plus two in 2017. Regulators in Europe led the move to T plus two in 2014. So similar to the move now, we're not seeing this global alignment. Right. The U.S. is leading the charge this time, driven in part by the so-called meme stock volatility in January 2021, which demonstrated vulnerabilities in the securities market that T plus one settlement would lessen. On February 15th, the SEC adopted amendments and new rules to shorten the standard settlement cycle for most securities transactions, which will go into effect on May 28th, 2024. And the Canadian Capital Markets Association also released a formal announcement confirming May 27, 2024. This is one day earlier than the U.S., given, of course, the U.S. Memorial Day holiday. The scope is quite broad and encompasses largely the same products as the previous move from T plus three to T plus two for both the US and Canada. So this includes equities, fixed income securities, that's across corporate government and convertible bonds. And it also includes unit trusts, mutual funds, ETFs, ADRs and options. On the primary market side, debt and equity offerings are not required to settle T plus one. And while derivatives such as security-based swaps are not scoped in, it is anticipated that the market will recognize the new settlement cycle to avoid mismatches in settlement between derivatives and instruments used to hedge. Yeah, that scope is quite broad. As you mentioned, this shift is driven by the desire to leverage the benefits associated with the accelerated settlement. The SEC chair, Gary Gensler, said that it would reduce the amount of margin that counterparties need to place with the clearinghouses, thereby lowering risks and freeing up liquidity elsewhere in the market. Kate, taking into account some of these potential benefits, what are the knock-on impacts of T plus one? Well, at a high level, the shortening of timeframes means that confirmations, allocations, and trade affirmations 
will effectively have to take place on trade date in order for settlement to occur on time. And while the benefits you mentioned there, Meredith, are definitely important to market risk as a whole, halving the settlement cycle in such a short time period could lead to extensive operational hurdles, due diligence and new deadlines for the submission of data across the globe. In terms of industry impact, the effects could be felt by a range of market participants. Think issuers, asset managers, broker-dealers, custodians, transfer agents, exchanges, clearing firms, just to name a few. And now there's just one year until T plus one goes live. Market participants and some of the ones that you just mentioned will need to analyze and test the operational and technological changes to be able to meet this deadline. This will inevitably be an uplift, and the shorter settlement time frame means that there's not so much time for firms to identify any discrepancies. It will mean more reliance on, for example, straight-through processing to avoid a spike in settlement failures. And Kate, another concern is funding. Absolutely. Market participants often rely on the spot FX market to fund securities transactions that settle in U.S. dollars. And typically, settlement for spot FX transactions is done on a T plus 2 basis. Unless this also moves to T plus 1, which may take a long time, it may result in some settlement issues. T plus one could increase the risk that transaction funding dependent on FX may not occur on time. This so-called FX fail could require additional funding and lead to further costs and inefficiencies. It's also likely that the move to T plus one will create or extend a funding gap between UK and European funds, which settle on a T plus two or T plus three basis, and their underlying assets, if those funds hold US or Canadian securities. And as you say, Kate, FX spot transactions are typically settled T plus two. There are some exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, deliverable currencies can settle T plus one. Correct. For example, the currency pair dollar CAD has a T plus one spot date. And for the currency pairs where your spot date is T plus two, T plus one settlement can be easily achieved with the use of an FX swap. However, there are dependencies and some exceptions to this. For example, if the currency has a less liquid funding market. Of course, you have currency pairs that cannot settle T plus one. This is where the pre-funding element will be needed. And the end client will need to assess and manage the impact based on their own funding needs. And I suppose the time zone element is quite an important one. If trades are executed later in U.S. markets, this could impact liquidity. The bottom line is that this move will not only impact North American clients, but global clients trading U.S. and Canadian securities. If you're a non-U.S. Canadian-based investor and need to ensure that you settle T plus one, it's important to clarify that certain matching and settlement platforms do have cutoff times, which may also need to be considered. This time zone impact and when or where trade is executed could involve a reshuffling of staff or operating hours. Some firms may consider moving certain functions to the West Coast, for example, to allow for more time for trade processing. Taking a step back, there are some other considerations. For example, T plus one could impact stock lending and corporate actions. It also might call into question the impact on repo and whether it would require the supply of lending instruments to be more liquid. And this could also play out in ETF markets, since many ETFs and conventional funds contain underlying securities from several jurisdictions. Not only could it augment or highlight cross-border settlement complexities, 
but it could also impact the create and redeem process. Yes, and taking all of this together, there becomes a reliance on market middleware, i.e. T plus one could mean even more of a reliance on third parties across custodians, market infrastructure, vendors. This all involves a significant amount of coordination and not a huge amount of time to do so. And if we look at the Asia-Pacific region, for example, it could arguably be hardest hit, given that time zone difference and also some restrictions to APAC post-trade coverage and the fact that APAC markets do not permit overdrafts. And in terms of the pre-funding element, the window for funding cross-border trades will be narrowed in a T plus one settlement cycle, which could mean that foreign investors might have to incur additional costs to pre-fund based on estimates instead of confirmed trades on T. Market participants investing in the US or Canada once T plus one takes place would therefore have to look at making settlement more efficient and look at a range of options, possibly expanding settlement operation hours or setting up night desks to accommodate the settlement processes such as trade instructions and resolving pre-trade problems. You mentioned APAC. In January of this year, T plus one went live in India. India is currently the second largest market after China to reduce settlement from T plus two, so obviously very significant. Of course, in India's case, the rule only covers execution and not settlement, and the settlement obligations sit with the asset custodian. This transition was done in phases beginning in 2022 with the least liquid securities before moving on to the more listed securities in the final phase. Although overall this transition in India has been relatively smooth, there are still time zone considerations that we've been mentioning that could impact operations. And Kate, since this time around the transition is not in unison globally, how do you think things will progress from an EU and UK perspective? Well, I mean, arguably the US and Canada's transition could put some pressure on European regulators to follow suit. The UK government has put together a dedicated task force on the implications of T plus one and has recently confirmed that a report will be released at the end of this year with an official recommendation. It will be interesting to see how different the elements are addressed and how aligned this will be with North American transition when it comes to the individual process flow, reconciliation, documentation and so on. The EU is a slightly different story. The previous transition from T plus three to T plus two in 2014 was in the context of the Central Securities Depositories Regulation, CSDR. CSDR aims to harmonize both the timing and conduct of security settlement in Europe, as well as the rules governing Central Security Depositories, CSDs, which operate settlement infrastructures. And currently, CSDR is being looked at with regard to these T plus one dynamics and both the Settlement Efficiency Task Force and the Cross-Association Task Force are currently fleshing out the pros and cons of this transition. Yeah, and while the U.S. has one currency, one market, and regulators focused on just one jurisdiction, the EU has a lot more to consider, obviously. Taking into account what a shortened cycle could mean for the 14 currencies and 31 CSCs operating in the Union. Moving too quickly to a T plus one could maybe lead to an increased number of settlement fails, which will incur cash penalties under CSCR rules, as well as having capital impacts under Basel III requirements. Okay, so putting T plus one to one side, there is also this view that markets might shift to a T plus zero settlement environment. 
I think we can both agree that that would be a fundamental change in the overall settlement infrastructure, not to mention post-trade processing. Well, of course. And this is where blockchain technology and instantaneous or atomic settlement comes into play. At JP Morgan, we've seen this happen in a range of markets, including intraday repo transactions, and it certainly helped facilitate settlement and a host of other benefits. There's so many considerations when it comes to T0. Market readiness for a start. Some may argue that blockchain technology is not needed for same-day settlement. And there, of course, are considerations regarding what instantaneous settlement would mean in terms of any netting benefits. Given all the dependencies on market readiness, one would hope that this would be carefully thought out and rolled out in a measured way. One thing is for sure, it would require the whole industry to work together. Well, thanks, Kate, so much for today. I think this is a great discussion. Of course. Thanks, Mary. And I think a year might seem like a long time to people for T plus one, but we have to remember the transition from T plus three to T plus two took the industry 30 months. (laughs) So clearly a lot to consider here. As more developments play out, our team will be sure to keep you updated in our reports and our other content mediums. To our listeners, please stay tuned for more FIC Market Structure episodes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Market Matters. If you've enjoyed this conversation, we hope you'll review, rate, and subscribe to J.P. Morgan's Making Sense to stay on top of the latest industry news and trends. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. The views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. and its affiliates, together J.P. Morgan, and do not constitute research or recommendation advice or an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or financial instrument. They are not issued by J.P. Morgan's research department, but are a solicitation under CFTC Rule 1.71. Reference products and services in this podcast may not be suitable for you and may not be available in all jurisdictions. J.P. Morgan may make markets and trade as principal in securities and other asset classes and financial products that may have been discussed. The FICC market structure publications, or to one, newsletters, mentioned in this podcast are available for J.P. Morgan clients. Please contact your J.P. Morgan sales representative should you wish to receive these. For additional disclaimers and regulatory disclosures, please visit www.jpmorgan.com forward slash disclosures. Copyright 2023, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved.